Welcome millionaires and future millionaires. You're listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast, the show where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their portfolio allocation. Now to your host, Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 328. So on Monday, in fact, ironically, it was the 13th, uh, that marked our six-year anniversary, our sixth birthday. Can you believe it, Stace? Happy anniversary. <laughs> anniversary, birthday, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, this podcast has uh, been rocking and rolling now for six solid years, and I guess what began as a kind of idea on the whim, I think Clark and I had started kind of formulating some of this in the summer of 2017. And for those of you who haven't heard the story, basically what happened was Clark and I finally got in the professional world and had known a little bit how our dads and parents had invested, but not too detailed. And But that was it. That was all the, the exposure that we had. I mean, we took classes in college. We talked to some people. But it was always like, you know, this is only one-dimensional kind of thing. People just didn't really talk about this stuff that much. And we had no idea what other people's portfolios looked like. And so, yeah, we thought, hey, why don't we start talking to the people that actually build portfolios and talk to them about how they become millionaires and what their portfolio looks like and turn it into a podcast and see where it goes. And here we are six years later. And yeah, in fact, we've done hundreds of interviews now or up 300 plus. Some of those interviews in there have been you know, we did some recaps back in the early days and we did some interviews with those that were subject matter experts thinking that some of the audience wanted that. And then over time, we've really honed in on on just doing some millionaires and we've sprinkled in some non-millionaires in there as well. But yeah, that's kind of how, how things have evolved over the years. And uh, we went on the show back in the day, few, been a few years together. We went on our own show. Oh, me and you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Clark interviewed us and that was fun. And then, uh, yeah, we've had, I mean, you name it, we've had some, some crazy guests from Chris Hogan to Robert Kiyosaki to James Daly to David Osborne. And then all the, all the millionaires that, you know, are probably just your next door neighbors and who've been willing to come on and share their story and share their net worth and share their portfolio allocation. And so that's where we are today. And Clark and I ran with this for about four and a half years. And then uh, he decided to, to kind of take some different routes in his professional life. And so here we are today. And Stace, my wife, who's been on the sidelines for a long time, has graciously joined us as an excellent voice. In fact, she's more professionally media trained than I am. No, I'm very rusty, but it's it's good. I like I like Mondays. We have a fun time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I wanted to throw out some facts and figures. In fact, we just eclipsed, if you pull out our our uh, kind of our uh, outliers, if you will, you know, we had an episode of 100 Millionaire on episode 100 and and then another one on episode 200 and he was actually worth 300 million. In fact, he's probably actually worth about 500 million now. Uh, but at any rate, on the time when he came on, he was worth 300. If you take those out, we still have eclipsed a billion in total net worth which is pretty wild. 
our our average our average net worth is is in the low three millions. So you can do the math, which is barely eclipsed a billion. And uh, yeah, in fact, average age for for most of these millionaires is early forties that have come on our show. For the time of interview, or the time that they became millionaires. For the time that they became a millionaire was early forties. We've had plenty in their 30s, plenty in their, or actually a few in their 20s, but plenty in their 30s, and quite a few in their 40s and 50s. The representation that we don't have quite as much of, and I wish we had a little bit more, is those in their 60s and 70s, but we're working on that. Uh, We've had a few on, but uh, yeah. Well, it's definitely been quite the ride. I actually told Jason that I think we should see if Clark will come back on for the anniversary, but. One One of these days I'll get him. He just had he just had a new baby. That's true. They have He's, a lot going. They on. got a lot going on. But one of these days we'll 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 get him. That's been a goal for for a long time. He was pretty resistant, but we got to get him on the show. We'll get him on. Yeah. We'll figure it out. So this is this is where my surprise comes in. What? <laughs> so what you guys may have picked up on, or you may not have, is that I usually come into interviews not knowing what I'm going to be asked. <laughs> I do know who we're interviewing, so I, I've got that going for me. But on especially Thursday episodes, we sit down to record and I have no idea what Jason's going to throw my way. Or on intros, I never know. I'm just a lot better with like a high level plan and just winging it and rolling with it. And not, it works. And not telling me the plan. So anyway, so this is my turn. So I've got some rapid fire questions for you. Well, they could be as rapid fire as well. You can answer however you'd like. It's your podcast. But I thought it'd be fun to ask you some of these questions. So first, what are some key lessons you've learned through these past six years of interviews? Oh, man, that's a great one. So I I go back to probably the single thing that has really helped me probably define my own investment strategy and really kind of, I don't know, uncover what I want to do and accomplish has been this podcast and interviewing all these different millionaires because... You know, the banter that takes place off air, the follow-up emails, the people that I've connected with at, you know, different conferences, everything else has really helped me kind of formulate. And it's not that my strategy is anything new, but for me, it's been brought a lot of clarity in kind of the three-legged stool approach that I that I take between real estate, uh, you know, market investments in, in tax protector, tax advantage accounts, and then in, in small business, small business equity. And... For me, that's been probably one of the most key lessons personally. In terms of some of the myths that I think I had as it relates to the podcast or millionaires in general, the podcast is, has dispelled quite a few of those. One of those that I think is massive in general is that there's no one path. And you know, I think a lot of us, especially in our generation, got brought up in this culture of like needing to go to college and needing to get an education. And don't get me, don't get me wrong. I I do think education is important. And for a lot of people, college makes sense, but we've had a lot of people that have come on this podcast that have never taken that route and have still found success. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's an absolute critical piece as I thought it was once was, uh, I think having a skill set which can be developed, you know, through college in some cases or through, you know, learning in general or on the job training um, is extremely important. I think the other lesson that has been pretty critical is understanding that 
consistency is extremely important. In fact, I have a phrase that I kind of coined. I don't know if I coined it, I guess, but I just have it in my, in my head all the time. And I repeat it frequently that you need to be consistently consistent. And what I mean by that is if you pick something, you stick with it, you don't change it. You see it all the way through. I think our generation in particular, our parents' generation is probably a lot better at this, but we tend to hop around, get a lot of shiny object syndrome, get distracted on social media, you know, get a Robin Hood account and start pouring money into, you know, the next N- NFT or the next crypto or the next this, that. I mean, I know a lot of people that have done stuff like that. And those kinds of things from an investment strategy standpoint or just in life in general can can really cause harm in the sense that it takes longer to recover sometimes from those losses or you get behind somebody else who has built up industry knowledge for a decade or something while you've been trying to figure it out. And there's nothing wrong with trying to figure it out. We've had people that have taken very different paths that way and have taken, you know, years to really find out what they really wanted to do. But those that can start early and figure that out early and can stay, you know, on that path and be consistently consistent tend tend to have, you know, outsized results for that. I think the other thing too that I've learned in 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 general is that wealth looks very different for very different people. In some cases it's buying the dream home in some cases it's retiring at 35 and living a very simple life in other cases it's trying to build a massive business or have a significant amount of you know assets passive income etc and i think it's really important for you to find that for yourself what that really looks like is is it not so much a millionaire status of having a million dollar net worth, but a million dollar lifestyle for you. And in some cases that might, Hey, I hit a million dollars and I'm going to live on 30, 40 grand a year, but I'm have complete ownership over my time. And in other cases that might be, Hey, I need to, you know, build this up higher because I want to do X, Y, or Z travel the world and spend freely or whatever it might be. I think a lot of times I was focused and I think a lot of people are focused on getting a a certain number. And I think that's important in some respects. And I think it's important to track because what you don't measure doesn't necessarily get improved. It's an interesting concept to think about having a millionaire lifestyle, not necessarily having a million dollars or being a millionaire on paper. Well, thanks. Thanks for for sharing some of those insights. I've got some more questions. Don't worry. You sit sit tight. Uh, But I was doing doing some math on this. I mean, you've you've had you've logged a cool well over 300 hours worth of <laughs> interviewing uh, millionaires. And, and we did forget to mention thank you to everyone who's come on the show because without everyone who's come on the show, this doesn't exist. So, so thank you for that. So you kind of uh, started to, to share this a little bit, but what, if any closely held financial beliefs, did you previously hold that you've now changed? Yeah, I kind of shared a little bit of that. I mean, I, I, I thought for a long time that one and a million dollars is still a lot of money. And in fact, I went on Doc G's podcast a little while ago and, and discussed this, that it's still a lot of money. But as we know, inflation and just the cost of living in general has, has drastically changed that. I still think it's a, 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 a great financial metric, but that is one thing where, 
you know, when I was younger, I was like, man, if you just had a million dollars, like everybody'd be set forever. And I don't think that anymore. I think between inflation and other things that that needle in some respects has moved. Now, a million dollars is still a lot of money and it still does a lot, but it's not what it once was, that's for sure. I think another thing that's been interesting to kind of dispel for myself is is you read stuff about, you know, the Forbes 400 or some of the people that are the wealthiest people in the world and, and how many of them have real estate or have built a lot of their wealth with real estate. And I don't know if it was because I wasn't exposed to it when I was younger or, you know, I just didn't know that people pulled their money to invest in syndications to buy apartment complexes or house hacking or all these different things. I think that they're, you know, I think our, on our podcast, almost 80% have real estate. And that's not something that I would have ever predicted or I did see coming. I mean, now it's normal, but for the longest time, it always seemed weird that there was that ma- that many. And I know, you know, we've interviewed what, 300 something and out there there's thousands, right? And so there's plenty more that have money in the market. There's plenty more that have significant wealth in their business or multiple businesses. And, but nonetheless, you know, 80% have exposure to real estate and, and that's a lot. And there's a lot fewer, I guess the, the really the interesting thing for me is there's a little bit fewer by three or four points or whatever that have money in the market or money in public equities. So more people have chosen to invest in things that are not related to public equities than, you know, alternatives. And I don't know if that was due to, you know, some of the 08 crash that now opportunities have been, you know, endless in some respects for the last 15 years or what, but there's a lot that have built their, built their wealth through real estate. I think the other thing that is interesting and has kind of been a dispel a little bit in my mind was, you know, and I think back to the, the research that Dr. Thomas Stanley's done uh, in one of his books that most millionaires work between like 60 or 70 hours a week. And we haven't asked that question in a while, thinking a rapid fire, but we get it, a lot of that data in the intake forms and some other things. And we haven't seen that. We've seen that come down actually um, closer to 45 or 50. Now I will put an asterisk by that because I think people are probably thinking how much they actually work in the office, which has drastically changed because of COVID and some other things culturally that have shifted for us. But nonetheless, we're so still connected. People answer emails sometimes all day. So they may still end up working those many hours, but they don't feel like they're working that many hours, which is interesting to me. Well, thank you for shedding, shedding some light there. So looking forward, how have your strategies shifted or goals shifted? And I know that there are some of these, if you think that there aren't, we just talked about this <laughs> privately, so I can bring them up if you can't think of them on the spot. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, you know, my, my ceiling for myself, I guess, in a lot of ways has changed. And part of it is I just want to internally become the best version of myself and do the things that you know, I have unique talents and abilities to do and I want to push myself. You know, I've kind of done that most of my life in a lot of respects, I feel like. And to me, a lot of this is a game and there's some games that, you know, I'm just, I, I still play, but I may not be as competitive as I once was, such as basketball, because I've gotten older and slower and whatever, but business, building some wealth, 
it, it's become a little bit of a different game that I can play and isn't dependent on the fact that, you know, I've aged a little bit. I'm slower. In fact, it actually helps that I've aged. And so that the, the needles moved in some respects. And I, I go back to when we were dating and, you know, the, the days of what I thought, you know, my life was going to look like and how drastically different in some respects it is, but in other respects, it's, it's exactly what I had imagined. I mean, I set out to accomplish as much as I possibly could with, you know, my, my abilities and worked as hard as I could and still do in many capacities and have definitely tried to hone in on creating more of that million dollar lifestyle or, you know, in, in all aspects, in all areas of my life versus just, you know, so much concentration on, on the actual number and dollars that come in. I will say that's something that you, you do a very good job with. Uh, in fact, some people ask Jace how to get hobbies. <laughs> like, man, how do you have hobbies? Like, I don't know what I should do when I do have any time. And, uh, Jace definitely works hard to, uh, work hard and play hard and, and doing so means he has to sacrifice some things, which are, I don't think he's ever slept in on a Saturday the whole time we've been married because he plays ball at like five thirty or six every Saturday morning or instead of doing like social guys night, he'd rather go play tennis or, you know, so his hobbies are, are something that are important to him and, and help, help fill that million dollar lifestyle bucket. Yeah, and to that note, I guess I'd bring up one other thing that I think is important just as much as wealth is, and that's health. Because if you don't have your health, it's hard to build wealth. And there's a lot of people, and I think I think it was Gandhi that the quote is, is so famous that it's so confusing that so many people spend so much of their life trying to build wealth, and then they get to a certain point, and then they spend all their money trying to preserve their health. And there's been a couple people that I've met through the podcast and, you know, off air conversations and, and other things that I've realized that that has to be almost a bigger priority and then almost building wealth. I mean, it, it, it becomes a means to an end to some degree because typically you're trying to either save for something, buy something, buy time back you know, develop a lifestyle that is comfortable for you or whatever, what have you. Right. And if you don't kind of define some of that along the way, it's very easy for a lot of people. And I've seen this with several, very many people very close to me that they get to a point where they're at retirement age. And it's like, what are you going to retire to now? And what have you been saving for? And why don't you want to step away and, you know, from, from work that you may not enjoy as much anymore or, whatever, but they've defined themselves so much by those things that it's hard to change, right? It's a habit they've developed and they're good at it and they've been doing it for 30 and 40 years. And now to, you know, rewind and do something different. You know, some people are like, oh man, I want to go travel the world at 60 or whatever. We get there and they're like, man, traveling the world sounds terrible. Like I should have done that in my 30s. Or whatever, you know? So I think, and I think the book, and I brought this up at the show a couple times, Die With Zero really helped me hone in on all that a little bit more in, in trying to figure out like what I wanted to accomplish from a 
physical aspect and a personal aspect at different decades of my life. And I think of my life a lot of times in like five-year increments and then 10-year increments. And that quite, quite, quite honestly, going back to one of your early questions, like the show has helped me hone in on a lot of that too in, in developing some of the things that, you know, I do that we do to, to be able to get there, to be able to feel like not only million dollar net worth from a financial standpoint, but even more so. In fact, there's a book I that just came out recently that I'm reading right now. It's called the experiential experiential billionaire. And this is all that it talks about is essentially becoming a billionaire via, via experiences that you have. And so I think podcast has really helped me shift my mindset around some of that and making sure that I don't miss out on those opportunities and the things that I want to do in my, you know, each year of my life. And instead of waiting to, you know, what a lot of people traditionally have waited to 50 or 60 or beyond to do. Yeah, that book certainly has played a big role in our kind of family, uh, family adventure planning. <laughs> I know some people have thought we're crazy for some of the travel that we do with our kids and, and people say, well, you know, your kids aren't going to remember this, but, but we remember it. And, uh, and there are some pieces of it that we don't want to remember, like trudging three car seats through the airport <laughs> without a cart plus all of the baggage. But, but, uh, the memories made when, when we do go places and I mean, we like to make memories in our backyard you know, here, here in the Austin area as well. It doesn't have to be just on a trip. Um, but certainly we want to be able to have some of those experiences with, with some youth on our side. All right. Last but not least, what's been your favorite episode recorded or episodes if you can't choose? Cause sometimes, you know, there's so many good ones. I know I get, I get asked this a lot and quite frankly, I, it's too hard to choose. So many of our guests that have come on have delivered so many amazing pieces of advice. I truly and honestly believe that there is a piece of advice or a nugget that is influential in every single one of the episodes. And in some cases, the cases there's multiple things. Some of the people that have come on, I've become great friends with some of the people who have come on. I've been friends with prior to them coming on. And so Oh, it's so hard to choose. Like, you know, I, I could I could break down like a handful of the episodes, you know, based on like, you know, hey, this episode was was really inspiring because of this or whatever. I mean, episode 100 with David was amazing. And, you know, I love the energy that David brings. I love a lot of things that David does. I mean, I've never met somebody who was better at goal setting in my life. And, and he's really taught me a lot in that regard, but it's hard to say that that's like a favorite episode, you know, episode 200 with Jeremy. I mean, the guy, the guy's amazing. The guy's worth several hundred million. We, we called out on the show to try to get somebody on episode 200 that was worth 200 million. And Jeremy writes into us and never met the guy. He said, Hey, my friend told me about your show. And he said, you were looking for somebody who's worth 200 million. He's like, I'm, I'm kind of a little over that, but I'd be willing to come on. It's like, who does that? I mean, the guy was so genuine and ironically he moved not too far from me in Austin here and, and he's, he's just a great dude and he was willing to share, you know, and he's just a, a great entrepreneur. He's got a great company, you know, not what you would typically expect from somebody of that, of that wealth. And he just dropped, you know, bomb after bomb. You know, we've had several episodes of people that have 
been homeless on the streets and have come up. I mean, those are cool, inspiring. We've had people that worked in, you know, public service, a ton of those. Love those episodes. You know, we've had people that, you know, in fact, the janitor, which is still one of our most downloaded episodes, uh, you know, that have worked in, in the same job and it's admirable. Like that guy finds joy in being a janitor. He does a really good job and the guy became a millionaire from it. Like those aren't stories you hear every day either. You know, nobody talks about Fred the plumber or Joe the electrician or, you know, our media and the media content and the clickbait that goes on is all about, you know, you know, here's a prime example of like the recent bankruptcy of WeWork and Adam Newman being a billionaire and he's actually never made any company, never ever made any money. You know, that's what we see in the media and kudos to him. He's got another company, everything else. I mean, it's just part of how, you know, capitalism works in our country, but to have a guy like the plumber or the janitor, or some of these others that, you know, have, have just stuck with something, been paid, you know, a salary that most would think it would be impossible to become a millionaire on. And they've done it, overcome a lot of odds in a lot of respects with some of them. I mean, those are, those are some of the ones that are very memorable, but you know, I love all the episodes. I love all of our guests. Like it's pretty amazing to think about that, you know, six years ago that we were dumb enough in some respects or like thinking that people would do this and continue to do it and still continue to do it because it is a lot. I get it. I mean, you're, we, we ask the guests to be pretty transparent in their net worth, you know, and, and give us a, give us a portfolio allocation. I mean, that's what the crux of the show is. And we've had plenty of people come on or over the years that have wanted to come on and they wouldn't do that. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't work with what we're trying to do, you know? So those are, I mean, it's hard to choose just one episode. It really is. I feel like I just asked you who your favorite child is. <laughs> That's what I feel like. And it's like 300 and we're going to have just five and I still can't with just five. So no way I could do with like 300 something. <laughs> I couldn't figure out the five and I realized you're talking about the twins coming. Yeah. <laughs> They're essentially part of our family. We're trying to name them right now. Yeah, if you, have, if you have any suggestions, please send them in. Boy, girl, twins. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for answering my questions. You have uh, certainly helped so many people along the way, and you are so good at this. I, I mean, I come on the show and I have no idea what I'm doing, but you, you have such good questions, and you're so refined in it. I don't even like to listen to the episodes back because I get embarrassed. And I, I don't want to. I don't want to hear myself. Um, but but you're so good at this and, and I'm I'm glad you think so because I still get hate mail quite frequently but you know sometimes I'm like yeah if I'm not getting hate mail then I'm probably not doing something well enough <laughs> oh, you've never cared what anyone's opinions are of you but <laughs> for for better or for worse no but really the podcast is is a is a big labor of love and uh, Jace actually does all the editing and all the back end all himself so. Uh, so yes, yeah, so if I know we, we've, we've been trying to do these Thursday episodes, they don't always happen. It's cause it's a, it's, it's a kind of a one, one and two man band. Although really it's, it's more so on him. I'm, I'm here for the fun and he, he knows how to actually make it all work. But, um, so we all appreciate you, Jace, me as your wife, but also as, uh, as an MU listener. And, uh, I certainly glean a lot from all of the interviews you've 
done and all the knowledge that you've acquired over these last six years. So I hope that we just have much more to look forward to. Yeah, I'm hoping definitely for six more years. I mean, one of the things that when we started this that I was probably most excited about, and we've started to do some of it because it's been enough time, is looking at the portfolio allocations and the net worth changes over time because traditionally you know the brokerage houses financial advisors etc were some of the people that only had this data and that's only if you'd worked with that financial advisor in some respects for you know a decade or two decades or you know stayed at the same brokerage house which we know in most cases that's not the timeline that most people stick with they either move financial advisors or they're moving you know brokerage houses or whatever so it's really hard to get you know, some of the data that happens. And so we're finally getting to that point where, you know, people that we had on the early days has been enough time like, oh, wow, their net worth might have doubled. And how did their portfolio change? And did their strategy change from when they were 30 years old to 35 years old or 35 to 40 or, you know, major life events that might have shifted some of the things that they think now or whatever, or, you know, how we think about the economy and interest rates at you know, levels that most of most of us adults have, have not seen since, you know, not, I was a kid in the 90s, but we haven't seen since the 90s, right? So it's been, you know, upwards of 30 years. How do portfolios change and do they change? Do people change their strategy? So those are the things that I'm from the get-go is most interested in. And then now we're really starting to be able to kind of detail and track that a little bit more. And we will have some reappearing guests to kind of go into that, which I'm super excited about. We've had a few on so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully we can get, do another six years and keep this going. When I started this, it was not even 30 yet. So, you know, the hope was probably to keep it rolling for several decades and really get into the nitty gritty of, you know, what transforms portfolios and, you know, do we have to change it from like a million net worth to 2 million at some point because inflation's driven up so much? I don't know. But yeah, we've got a lot of cool stuff in store for 24, 2024. So uh, be on the lookout for that. I'm super pumped for a lot of stuff that uh, is coming up. I can't wait to hear what it is. I'm just kidding. I know. I know it's coming our way. But uh, it's been a great ride so far. I'm, I'm speaking like this is my podcast. It's your podcast. <laughs> it is your podcast. You're the co-host. I'm, I'm just I'm just along for the ride. No, you're the co-host for sure. <laughs> anyway, well, it's been a solid six years, Jace. Happy anniversary. Happy birthday, MU. Yeah, we're going to have to bring you on soon and interview you by yourself. No. Yeah, it'll be no. great. No. Everybody loves to hear from you way more than me. I'm just the background noise. I'm getting hot flashes thinking about this. <laughs> Well, with that, signing off. Thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast with Jace Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website, millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.